0: I want to uh, welcome you to Good Friday. And, um, you know, it's tempting because in Easter we say Happy Easter. And so this Friday is like you want to I want to say Happy Good Friday. Um, But actually, you know what, by the time we're done this evening, um, we get to claim that Um, it's maybe not the same happy that you have when You're five years old and your parents give you a bicycle, but it's, it's happy in a deeper way, a blessed way. So tonight, what I want you to do is, is something that you, we all should be doing. It's just kind of a given, uh, even a no brainer. But I, um, I think that the ways that we come to know Jesus and God, um, keep us really far apart and Uh, almost make God someone and Jesus someone that we just really don't we don't know how to approach or we don't really know who he is. So today for the exercise, what I want you to do is when you're thinking about Jesus tonight and doing something to to protect you and to open a door for you, let's just turn this down a little bit there. I want you to imagine um, someone in your life perhaps someone older, but someone you know who truly loves you, and I want you to imagine them um, and Jesus being that person and going to this extent to care for you. So it might be a mom or a dad. It might be a friend or a spouse or an uncle, an aunt, um, someone that's close, someone who has truly done that or would do that and to then understand that is, that's Jesus. That's the closeness. That's the fondness. That's the adoration that he has for you. And it's what he did. Arriving at a quiet place, Jesus sat down and he taught his companions. Blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Blessed are you when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Blessed are you when you're content with just who you are, no more and no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. Blessed are you when you've worked up a good appetite, when you're starving for God because he's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Blessed are you when you care at the moment of being filled with care is when you find yourselves cared for. Blessed are you when you get inside when blessed are you when you get your inside world your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Blessed are you when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Blessed are you when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Blessed are you every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit you. It means that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable You can be glad when that happens for though they don't like it. I do. And all of heaven applauds. Most of us are familiar enough to know the story of Jesus sacrifice and we'll um, we'll we'll lay it out a little bit for you this evening. But most of us know well enough that um, that there's a lot of suffering and a lot of pain and loss and disappointment, discouragement, despair in this sacrifice, in this act of love. And so we come and we sing about a wonderful cross and it almost seems as though there's no room for a wonderful cross or for wonderful in regard to the cross. How how does that work out? And this will always be a mystery. For us, when we consider Jesus, when we consider what he went through, when we consider what we are going through, when we consider what our world is going through. How can these things be wonderful? How can they be okay? How can there be good And these things that seem so terrible, heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, will not truly ever understand how that all works out until we are face to face finally with Jesus. And his eyes peer into our eyes and in that moment, Everything comes to complete understanding. Paul says, Now we only see dimly, like looking in a mirror, but we'll see, we'll understand. But until that day, we at least can look to God's word and what Jesus spoke about to gain some understanding. So we open this evening with the Beatitudes. Jesus didn't call them that, <laughs> we did. But the we call them that because Jesus is is he's he's gathered people, and uh, well, and um, and a lot of people just kind of followed him, and he kind of leads them out of town, and so he can really like be in an intimate setting with them. And he goes up on um, a hill or somewhere higher than the city, and people follow him, and he sits down, and and really, it's this long, long kind of message what Jesus talks about. But he starts out, and he says, "Listen." I'm going to tell you how you will be blessed in this life. You're going to be blessed in ways that seem absolutely absurd. You're going to be blessed when you least think you could or should be. You're going to be blessed when you think that the worst is happening to you. And so he shares with them. He says, you will be blessed. I trust this. When you feel absolutely poor in your spirit, you'll be blessed when you hunger, when you thirst, when you find yourself wanting, you will be blessed when you're broken, you will be blessed when you find yourself relenting in a circumstance or a situation, you will be blessed as you care for others, you will be blessed as you seek good and serve for good, you will be blessed even as others despise you and reject you and scorn you and even hurt you or take advantage of you or mock you or reject you. You'll be blessed. Jesus says, trust in it. Because when you allow yourself to be blessed in these terrible or unlikely circumstances and situations, that's when you're actually going to come to understand more fully the kingdom of God. You're going to be blessed in these unlikely or or displeasing situations because that's when you're actually going to be able to come more face-to-face with God. You're going to be more blessed in these situations, in these these unfavorable moments, because that's when you're going to actually find wholeness and freedom in me. So allow yourself, allow yourself to enter into these moments. And Jesus would foreshadow and foreshadow again and again to his disciples and his listeners, he would say, because that's ultimately what I will do. As I will enter into each of these situations from thirst and low spirit to persecution and it will be a blessing. That's what I'll do. And Jesus, thankfully, lived into and modeled everything that he taught and everything that he invited us to embrace in our own lives and to live out in our own lives. He lived it and went there for for us, before us. So the truth is that lowly is the way. When we sing about the wonderful cross, we say that as we look at it, we peer upon this, this this cross, this symbol of suffering and sacrifice and of love and of this desire to depart us from our sins, to say your sins no longer own you or are your identity or are your chains. Your sins, they might be there, but they, they don't get to pull you down. We get to look at the cross and we get to find that it bids us to come right along with Jesus, to let go, to surrender, and to die. To enter into those low and terrible and unfavorable moments. To die so that we might find that we may truly have life. There is life after death. Because we die with Christ and we rise to new life in Christ as he did. And so in the depth of our despair, in the depth of Jesus' despair, we remember that there is hope and there is life and that this is the way through. we remember, as we have seen again and again, that sometimes the greatest suffering, the greatest loss, these are the things that ultimately lead to the greatest victories and blessings and life. And they are good. Ultimately, this big plan that God had in mind, this painful, important plan was that Jesus would come and be the final and ultimate sacrifice that God himself, his own heart, his own flesh, his own son would be the sacrifice that would finally say enough is enough. And that the people wouldn't have to keep on falling into sin and then keep on trying to make it right and then falling into sin and then making it right again. But that instead, this one sacrifice would be enough that people could live lives that just don't match up and yet confess and say, Lord, I know it's not good, but I I need you me, rewrite my story. And so Jesus became that sacrifice, that, that sacrificial lamb. He was praying in the garden with his disciples and they were sleeping, of course, just kind of getting some rest. And finally Jesus said, look, uh, here comes my betrayers. Uh, they walk up and this battalion walks down, and Judas is in the front, and Judas says, hey, I'm going to go and kiss him. That way you make sure you get the right guy. And uh, so he comes up, and Jesus says, friend, do what you got to do. And Jesus, Judas kisses him, and, and, and so then like they, they take Jesus away. And they lead him into the inner courts, and they begin interrogating him. And they're like, just say something stupid so we can just go for it. And then they started beating him. They took their fists and they hit him. And they found sticks and clubs and they started beating him with them. Um, And then they uh, they they blindfolded him. And they would spit in his face and taunt him and say, hail, king of the Jews. And um, and they would just continue to, to say, you know, who, you, who spit on you? And, and taunt him and tease him because he was supposed to be so powerful and they were proving to him that they were the ones who were powerful. They, you know, put his, put his own clothes back on after they put some fancy robes on him and, um, and then they took, a, they took thorns and they kind of twisted them into a circle and then they, they put those thorns on his head And they pressed really hard until those thorns just drove like into his scalp and reached the bone of his scalp and caused the blood to come running where those thorns had pierced his head. And uh, and then they they let him out and they thought, you know what, people will see that uh, that Jesus really is nothing and that we're the ones who have the power. And we're going to embarrass him and his followers and put an end to this. But Jesus didn't behave like they wanted, and they tried to kind of just let it run out. But the Jews there, they were glad because they wanted it, too. And so they said, No, crucify him. And so they uh, they said, "Okay." Your wish is is our command. And so then they uh, they took they took a whip and this whip had leather straps. And on the end were these um, kind of these metal shards and they were tied on there. And so they whipped Jesus and uh, as if the, the, the leather wasn't enough, these metal shards would just land in the flesh of his back. And every time they would land, they would tear flesh. And then every time that they would pull it away for another, it would tear more of the flesh away from his back. This was Jesus who came to to love us and to love his enemies and to love those who were whipping him. This was Jesus who wants and wanted good for those around him. This is Jesus who wanted to to embrace people and gather them under his wing like a mother hen does her chicks. This is Jesus who wanted to set people free. And this is how we treated him. And ultimately, it was the cost of freedom. Our hearts, our sins, the cost of our freedom. So then they led Jesus back and they prepared him to carry his cross and um, they strapped it upon his back. It was heavy. It was a lot taller than him because a lot of it would settle into the ground and still be able to hold him up in the air. So it was quite large and they kind of forced him through the city to the hill of Golgotha, uh, almost like you would drive cattle from one range to another. that was barely anything that Jesus could take. In fact, Simon from Cyrene had to had to carry the cross a bit because he couldn't do it himself. And finally, they get on top of the hill and um, they wanted his clothes. Jesus had a good tailor. And uh, so they took his clothes off and he was essentially in his undergarments exhausted and bleeding full of sorrow and and then then they uh, stretched him out and they took these large nails and a probably a pretty crude looking hammer and they drove the nails through his wrists onto that wood and then they crossed his legs and they drove a really big nail through both of his legs right there. Somewhere in there in his feet area and his ankles. And then when they knew he was he was steadfast on the cross and wouldn't fall down, then they hoisted him up. And then they left him there in anguish. This is Jesus who came to love the world and show us how to love and uh, the worst part about um, crucifixion you're already in pain but as your arms are like this uh, it becomes just harder and harder to breathe and your lungs start to fill with fluid so they left Jesus there just to uh, die Um, but some were really excited to see that uh, Jesus power and perhaps the ways that he was making them feel uncomfortable by saying, hey, change your way. They were excited to come up and say, see, he said he was so powerful, but he can't even get himself down. Where's the power in that? But Jesus knew. He knew there was a bigger plan. He knew it was painful and and terrible, but he knew it was the cost to set us free. And then I think there's this moment that even Jesus wasn't ready for, but knew would come because the, the full departure, the full separation from God is not just in pain and suffering, but it's in that absence of God in our lives. And I don't think we can comprehend what it means to be that far away. But Jesus, in his full suffering in his full anguish then lost any connection he had with his father, with God of the universe, a God that loved him more than anything. And in that deep despair, as darkness enshrouded him, and as that evil pressed around him and, and tormented his entire soul and body, he said, Eli, Eli, lemme my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, abandoned me, betrayed me, he felt the despair, the deep, the depth of that. But he knew, even though he didn't know, and he said, finally, it's finished. It's done. This is it. This is what needed to happen. The price has been paid. And he gave up his breath and he died. His disciples, they were able to take him off the cross after they proved that he was dead. They wrapped him up in their best linen. They put some spices in there and some things that would smell good. And, uh, And they laid him in Joseph. Joseph's tomb, not Joseph, his father, but another Joseph who was widely respected by the Pharisees, and they laid him in his tomb, and then tons of people, they took, and they rolled that stone, and it fell down into this divot right in front of the, the grave, the tomb. And that stone fell, and it rested against the opening It was done, it was utter darkness and it was done. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are in a low enough place that they can finally let go and surrender their pride. Blessed are those who thirst. Blessed are those who choose to care for others more than themselves. Blessed are those who experience persecution because they are living for what is right, for love and for life. Blessed is he. Blessed is he who lived and died for all of these things for you. Amen.